The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Feel it coming in the air. Yeah. And the screams from everywhere. Yeah. I'm addicted to the thrill. I'm ready. It's a dangerous Stop. love affair. Can't be scared when nickels down. Got a problem, tell me Stop. now. Only thing that's on my mind is who run this town tonight. Radio. What day is it? Tuesday? Alex Clancy. Deborah Dubree in studio. Um, we have a lot to talk about today. Deborah, haven't seen you since last Tuesday. How's everything been? Give me a little update. It's been a whole freaking week. And uh, spoke at uh, Coach Stoner's football camp on Saturday night. Great group of guys again. Uh, gave them the up your speech. So <laughs> that was always fun. Good. And then uh, doing another camp this coming weekend for punchers and snappers. So looking forward to it. Awesome. On the up and up as always, huh? You betcha. All right, so we have a lot to talk about today. Number one, we're going to talk about the Ryan Leaf story that came out with his uh, former agent, Lee Steinberg, who, for those of you who don't know, was what the movie Jerry Maguire was based on. Um, we'll talk about uh, Roger Goodell maybe taking away the extra points from a National Football League game, which which will be interesting. We have a lot of different uh, a lot of different standpoints on that that we'll talk about. And as well... Uh, Richard Sherman and his apology to America and to you know wh- whoever really wants to listen. Um, so first, Roger Goodell is talking about he's talking about uh, taking away the extra point, and um, th- I mean there's a couple upsides, there's a couple downsides, and I'm not really sure where it's going to fall. I'm not really sure how how it's going to play out, but. The scheduled plan, if it were to go through, would be that a touchdown would uh, be worth seven points now, and then teams would go for the extra point, which would be an actual set play. If they convert it, they get the eighth point, and if it's uh, incomplete or they do not convert it, it you lose a point and it goes down to six. Um, positives would be that you know it's more exciting than an extra point there were only 5 missed extra points over upwards of 1200 last year so it's pretty much a formality that say a team's down 6 score a touchdown at the end of the game kick the extra point win the game and that's really how it is i mean very few times remember i think the Bengals it was to get into the playoffs had to make an extra point to uh to tie the game and uh and the kicker pushed it pushed it right i believe but i mean there's not many where extra points really come down to a mattering in a game. Uh, so uh, upside would be more excitement in the NFL, which Roger Goodell is always pressing for. And then my major downside would be that it just gives another opportunity for players to get hurt, which you don't really want to, uh, you don't want to put them in harm's way if you don't need to. And uh, I don't know if this is a case of need or want for Roger Goodell, if he's greedy to make the game even more enjoyable than it already is, or to get uh, scoring higher to make it, 
I mean, games always evolve, and we're seeing that in baseball with the instant replay and everything. And NBA's instant replay has changed over the uh, over recent years. The NFL has had their replay pretty much in place. There are new plays that can be replayed now. Obviously, not fumbles because Navarro Bowman uh, tore his ACL and MCL on a play that really that was unreviewable, even though it was huge for San Francisco to have recovered that ball in the NFC Championship game. Uh, even though it was a moot point because Marshawn Lynch fumbled the ball the next play, but when it comes to point after, Deborah, do you think that it is the risk outweighs the reward or vice versa for running an extra play instead of just kicking an extra point? <laughs> one of the things that I heard, and I uh, I will answer your question, but one of the things I heard that was interesting is that whoever scored the point should be the one that kicks the ball. So <laughs> that, that's, okay. that's another interesting concept yeah. we could talk about. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I like the, guy, the game the way it is. You know, I really don't like the idea of screwing with the game. And you're right. You know, the possibility of taking away the extra point and, you know, running the ball or having another play, um, I don't like the idea of injury. Um, it's just everything is being talked about safety, safety, safety. And then we say, well, let's throw something in there that might injure the guys even more. So my but vote it, would be leave the game the way it is. But and and if Kwame, Kwame should be in, in in any minute, but uh, if he was here, he'd probably say, well, they don't really care about the players, you know. So well, so at some if level, they don't. Right, I, yeah, I understand. Quite honestly, and, and, they I, don't. and I it's and I and I share I share yeah. his sentiment to a certain regard with respect to that point. So if that's the case, if that's the status quo, then why not do it? Because it's it's the same thing. It's one more play. Uh, Rob Gronkowski got injured on an extra point, I believe, this year. So. Uh, it's or a field goal attempt or something of that regard. That, that there was a special teams play. I don't see a downside because it's it is just another play, you know. And people, the players, put themselves in harm's way every time they step on the field. So one extra play. So it'll it'll add potentially what at most ten extra plays a game. For special well, teams, how many people? How many more people are going to sit in the stands? You know, pay for a ticket, buy a jersey, or anything else based on whether they do or don't. So you have. think it's going to be a mood point regardless? Pretty much. You'd think that getting scoring points is more difficult this way, though. So it makes the game more difficult. It makes the game more exciting, especially when it comes down to crunch time, because this is a whole different package you have to put in the game. You have your obviously your A list, your first stringers that are coming out again, and you have a whole different set of plays right, to trick. I mean, and and, and the, the the toughest part about scoring in the red zone is when you get down to the five yard line and trying to throw a pass with pretty much twenty two guys in, in a in a twelve yard area. Well, this is the thing. I mean, do you end up with a whole different type of special teams, and the special team is really a group that goes in for this final play? Um, because you're right, it, it's a different situation. If it's, it's a different mindset um, to you know be sitting at that one yard line or five yard line or whatever it, ends, it would end up being to make that extra play. Yeah, I mean, even to the point where it would be more difficult for scorekeepers to erase points and make sure that all the points are accounted for at the end of the game. Well, it, it's at seven now, and what if they forget to subtract the one? Like there are things that <laughs> yeah. there's Who's human error. Well, no, I understand. There's human there's human error involved, even though how ridiculous that sounds. That that's uh, definitely a possibility that was never a possibility before. Well, and are you going to review every one of those plays? So now are you going to actually slow up the game, too, because we're going to take and have to review every oh, one of those Oh, the game plays. will definitely slow down because you actually have to set plays. People will call timeouts if the, if the formation is not right. Mm-hmm. Do they get an extra timeout? Right. Other things, do you get, like, special teams timeouts? Um, More time to buy beer? <laughs> well, <laughs> one, one thing that, 
that my idea, when this first came about, my idea was I go back to my flag football days when I was in seventh grade. You give the touch to the touchdowns worth six points. I think that should not change. See, if you want to go for one, you get the ball at the one yard line. If you want to go for two, you get the ball at the three yard line. And you can run whatever play you'd like. Because if, if they put the ball at the one yard line and the one and a half yard line, you're going to run the ball a lot, most of the time. If you put the ball at the five yard line, that's too far back to actually get a, have an above average chance of, of getting the two-point conversion, or the one-point conversion, which is actually what it would be. Would maybe it be they a two should point just play swing? it on a soccer field. That'd be cool. What do you mean? I'm just playing. If we're going to be doing stupid stuff, let's go really stupid. What, what, what would be stupid about that? <laughs> getting, getting a point subtracted isn't stupid? I, I know the whole thing to me is just basically ridiculous. I mean, I just – the conversation and, and Goodell's comments and that, I just, I just don't care for it. Period. Well, not caring for it and actually having it happen, or I mean, I don't well, care understand. for a lot of things I'm that not, we talk yeah, about. I'm not the one voting or you know pulling out my pocketbook. So, well, uh, we'll see what happens with that. I'm I'm curious as to curious as to how they're going to act. So, say it does happen, seven points for a touchdown, negative one point for a misconversion, and a and positive one point for a conversion. I don't understand how they're actually going to map it out if it does happen. What all the rules are going to be. If I mean and and the other thing is maybe these this won't be a booth challenge. Maybe that it, each each team will get an extra talent challenge specifically for this and if you get it right then you get another one. Cuz I mean well, there's does this even change the draft as to how people look at who they're going to draft because you need certain type of personalities and body size and you know everything else in order to do the point Well, that's what we have different packages for. I mean, you yes. draft people for specific packages right. on offense and defense. So I don't know if it would necessarily change the draft strategy. It would, I mean, it would just accentuate people's uh, strengths on you know having good hands or having tight ends that can block better or having uh, wide receivers that have good hands, t- uh, fullbacks that have good hands, or can jump across the line over, well, yeah, over I mean, all the other bodies. Absolutely. And, and, yeah. but, however, if if, it, if they set it at the three yard line, I mean, what is it? The one and a half yard line right now, or the or the two yard line maybe where the extra point is. If they keep the ball where it is now, I feel like getting it. I don't know. I mean, but moving it back to the five yard line, which is what's been talked about. I read something about that. I think that's too far away to get one extra point with a chance of losing a point if you don't convert it. So you know, it, it, it's kind of it's kind of a weird situation. Um, Kwame, you there? Alex, I'm here. All right, uh, three minutes left till break. What do you think about the uh, Roger Goodell's uh, extra point uh, abolishing the chance of abolishing the extra point and going to running actually a set play to get one point or losing a point with, if you don't convert it? You know, when, when you when you don't like somebody, kind of, or kind of not like somebody, I should say, anything they do is not going to be, it's not going to be good. Uh, but when, I, when, you, when you think about it and you set aside, you, you become unbiased. You know, uh, extra point, I don't want it to take away from a, a job of a kicker or a, a, a possible position, employment for someone to, to get into the NFL. But when you think about it, it forces coaches, in my opinion, to make plays come up with some type of scheme where you either get six points or you get eight points. Or maybe the extra point is one point um, uh, if you run a play and it's not two points. So I I think it's a good idea. It becomes more competitive. Uh, Your decision-making throughout that game uh, once you score becomes more strategic. But if you go for two, I don't don't even know if there's a go for two anymore. I think when you – 
you either score them and your one point, the extra point becomes a run play or a pass play. Right. There's no longer any kicking. Right. Which makes it competitive, and I like that about the game itself. All right, well, and I came up with the idea, and I got kind of laughed at a little bit, but uh, the idea of if, if you have, like, you can choose to go for one or two, and this would be, this is what I would do. You go for one or two. You pick what yard line you want to go from, the one and a half or the four-yard line. If you want to go for two, you go from the four-yard line. If you want to go for one. I like that. I like that. But that's, I mean. I, I, I say three and five. I like that idea. Well, so you make it, you still make it difficult, and, and, and with, with the job security, kickers still have to kick uh, field goals, so the extra points really aren't their forte. I mean, you, if you're you're a bad kicker, if you miss two extra points in your career, I mean, it's not it, it, they've be, it's become inconsequential, and you may as well just give them the extra point. And I think that this is slowly working through to actually get written as a, as a law for the NFL. It's just going to take a little while for them to to uh, knock out all of the you know all of the monkey wrenches and everything in the plan. They need to figure out a solidified way to do it. If you out if you out from the five yard line, most offenses prefer to be out right. five. Especially a team like um, the uh, Denver Broncos, who, who run a lot of crossing routes and spread the spread the field, they will prefer to be five yards out to go for two, and that plays right into those type of teams' hands. Or then you got a power team who want to be three yards out, like Seattle, who can run the football and get in from the uh, and score from three yards out. Uh, but it's all it's all depending on. What that team is and what the distance is. I like the idea, though. Yeah. All right. Well, we have to take a break. On the other side, we'll talk about the Ryan Leaf story with Lee Steinberg, his former agent. Uh, how Ryan Leaf should have been an Indianapolis Colt. Alex Clancy, Deborah Debris in studio. Kwame Lasseter on the line. Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. Hi, I'm Joe Swedish, CEO of WellPoint. We proudly support the March of Dimes and all they do to reduce the rate of premature birth in the United States. Though premature births have recently declined, still half a million babies are born too soon each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs that help moms and their babies live healthier lives. Please visit MarchofDimes.com. And join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand-in-hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Arms. 
Welcome back to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy, Deborah Debris in studio. Kwame Lasseter on the line. We just finished up talking about Roger Goodell's uh, proposed plan to uh, abolish extra points after after touchdowns and maybe take away a point if if the team doesn't convert the new extra point uh, scheme, which is actually running a play to get the extra point. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. We'll we'll. Definitely keep an eye on it and, and give any updates when they become available to us. I do want to move to uh, this Ryan Leaf story. We haven't heard about Ryan Leaf in, in a while. I mean, he's he's spending some time in uh, in a in a penitentiary uh, for I believe some sort of drug issue. Um, he was the former number two overall pick in the nineteen ninety eight draft, drafted by the San Diego Chargers. The number one overall pick was uh, belonged to the Indianapolis Colts that year which who drafted uh, Peyton Manning. And now the story came out yesterday that Lee Steinberg uh, used to be a huge agent, Drew Rosenhaus status, but way before him, uh, the movie Jerry Maguire was based on his life or loosely as, as close as a Hollywood movie can be based on a, a human life. Um, it came out that Lee Steinberg pretty much told Ryan Leaf that if he did not want to be a part of the Annapolis Coles franchise or drafted by them, which he did not, then he should not he should not show up for a meeting with Jim Mora, who was the head coach at the time, and he didn't. And he wasn't drafted by them, and he ended up being drafted by the San Diego Chargers. So it's an interesting story that this stuff was happening kind of under the radar. This is before Twitter, before Facebook, before all these things where nobody has any privacy. And it's interesting that it, he pretty much, Lee Steinberg wrote, wrote a tell-all book, and this is one of the interesting things that came out. Personally, as a San Diego Charger fan, I kind of wish Ryan Leaf would have shut his mouth and gone where the number one over where Indianapolis they wanted to draft him. So we could have looked at Peyton Manning as a quarterback. And Kwame, that would have been your quarterback, right? Ryan Leaf would have been uh, a, a Peyton Manning. Peyton yeah, Manning would have been the quarterback uh, when I got there. We knowing who Peyton Manning is and what he is, he would have been a long stay probably in San Diego. Definitely, as he was in Indianapolis. Uh, my th- my thing with this whole situation is, if if you got a if you got a secret, and, and no one's supposed to know at the time it happened, then why even come out with it now? You got to be sworn to something. Uh, that's why you, when you get in certain groups, it's either life or death. You got this information for life. If somebody else gets this information from you, it's death. That's the bottom line to it. Um, but here's another incident where the agent is controlling the situation of an, of an athlete or where he goes and how much money he gets and how does this agent benefit, benefit from it. Now he's able to write a tell-all book about it and then it's still profit on the whole situation that happened, what, 17 years ago, 16 years ago? Yeah. Uh, in, in the life of Ryan Leaf and Peyton Manning, and then Ryan Leaf is who he is. And, the, and what happened in San Diego, he was never a fit there. Uh, then he goes somewhere else, and then he's coaching. I think his life just spiraled after that situation because he really had no control of any decision. From what I'm hearing and, and reading, he had no control of any decision in his life from a, since he was a collegiate athlete and one of the highly talented uh, quarterbacks coming into the draft that year. Yeah, I mean, look at that Heisman class. Charles Woodson, Peyton Manning, Randy Moss, and Ryan Leaf. Which one of those things isn't like the other? <laughs> uh, that that draft class was fantastic, and it's it's interesting. I wonder if Peyton Peyton probably didn't know Peyton was is probably still Peyton, and he he wouldn't have. It's interesting if Peyton would have said he didn't want to go to the Chargers. That would have been two Manning brothers that didn't want to go to San Diego. Um, 
I wonder how things would have transpired if this never came out or if it just would have been forgotten. I think that uh, Lee Steinberg, who it's reported that he went through alcoholism, bankruptcy, um, this was his coming back story. This was his Jose Canseco tell all everything. Uh, I don't. This is pretty much inconsequential. I mean, it doesn't really matter because it's so it's so long ago, and we kind of know now because through all the social media atmosphere that, that we're all accustomed to that. This is what happens. I mean, agents are agents are sleazy. Agents are money hungry. They see every client as as a top tier client, and they try to get them to go to the best place that would essentially look good on the agent's resume, in my opinion, as opposed to the actual player where they get the most playing time. I mean, it's the the culture of agents has never really been looked highly upon. So this kind of just adds to the adds to the fire of of the something that's been burning for a long time. So, what was your agent like, Kwame? Well, my first agent was uh, Sports Stars, um, and then when I came out as an undrafted free agent, you know, I thought, not knowing any better, like most of these guys don't know, so a lot of veterans today still try to get these guys information that the agent works for you and you not him or them. So I had Sports Stars management, which when they were getting paid for something that I was doing, it wasn't anything they negotiated. It was a uh, it was, a, it was a, a settled contract. It was what it was supposed to be for a guy who haven't been drafted. So why would you give somebody 3% of something they didn't negotiate? Um, so I ended up getting rid of them, going through arbitration with them, ended up paying them $15,000 to get rid of them, which was nothing. Uh, so in, I ended up with Jim, uh, Jim Solano, probably one of the best agents in the business. A lot of guys had him, and how he made his, his uh, business was he had guys that had agents before Jim Solano was a great guy. He, 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 I still talk to him to this day. He was a guy that gathered all his clients together and took them on trips. It wasn't anything we paid for. It. We, if you bought somebody, you know, that's what you, you paid for that. But it was more of a family. I thought Jim Solano was probably the, one of the best agents around uh, because of what he did, and, and it wasn't just a business relationship. He became more a family guy. That's why I still talk to him today. If I need him, I still call him for um, business uh business ventures and things like that uh, to get his opinion on. But he was a great guy where as far as it wasn't about writing books later or getting information where he could write a book later. It was uh, he had everything and he was more of uh, how his players were, whatever we like, and all of us like to golf, so we did golf trips. Yeah, but, but unfortunately, these ages now, like you said, they get a lot of clients because it's more about them. If, if a free agent, if I come up with a free agent and Lee Steinberg has me and the teams want me, well, he can negotiate with another guy uh, on a team who's not highly sought after and say, well, you won't be able to talk to Kwame next year if you don't talk to this guy uh, this year. Uh, so it's all about the agents and about all about holding um, general managers and teams hostages uh, but, for the most part, and in my opinion, I should say. But didn't Steinberg do exactly what a good agent would do? He got his client to go exactly where he wanted to go. So I don't know if this is necessarily a bad thing. I don't... Maybe because it's Ryan Leaf and he was such a bust and Peyton Manning is a perennial all-star and, and maybe a two-time Super Bowl champion in a couple weeks and you know obviously a top six, top seven quarterback of all time. Do you think the whole juxtaposition of their talent level is is what the story is made of and not exactly what actually happened? I mean, because um, he did exactly what he's like. Listen, if you want to be at San Diego Charger, this is exactly what you have to do. Jim Mora will blow up if you blow him off. And he will not want to draft you, and then you will get drafted second overall. I feel like that's great advice from a guy 
that obviously is on your payroll, but a guy that gets you exactly to where you want to be? I think um, knowing who these two guys are now, uh, it's easy for me to answer that question. But uh, who's to say that Ryan Leaf wouldn't have flourished and it wasn't would have been the perfect situation for him in Indianapolis? Um, who's to say that Peyton Manning going to Indianapolis would he been the same Peyton Manning? I'm sure he had the same family values, the same characteristics, the way he go about his business, and he should, and you would think he would have been the same successful guy in San Diego uh, because he did have. Uh, a running game, but but he had that same running game in Edwin James and a couple other guys in Indianapolis. Who's to say these guys won't be who they are, knowing what we know now, if they would have went to the two opposite teams, which is the Indianapolis Colts and San Diego Chargers? I still think it's more so of a of an agent dictating where a player goes. If if it's not beneficial to him to the player, I think that comes first and foremost. Well, and I'm I- hiring you as an agent, which means you work for me, which. At the same time, I, I, I still have to believe that you're making the right business decision for me, but you're dictating a situation where uh, it didn't, it doesn't work out. I know business doesn't work out all the time between, you know, between two parties, but I, I just don't like the agents having their hands in everything and dictating stuff that is not beneficial for the players. I don't, I don't know a real answer for that because knowing, knowing these two guys' paths now, it's easy to say that it was the right decision for Peyton Manning and not so much Ryan Lee. Right. Well, that's the thing, too, and I think this sounds like it's a book that uh, the agent's dropping some names to sensationalize some incidences that maybe don't really need to be sensationalized just so he can sell books. You know, you start dropping a few names like Peyton Manning and that type of thing. Of course, Ryan Leaf, I think, had his own book coming out about all of his uh, drug problems and everything that he went through, and it just sensationalizes everything. Um, I know I shared the stage at one time uh, back in Indianapolis during the Combine with uh, Lux, and he had a book that came out that was uh, Confessions of an Agent, going back and talking about everything that was going on uh, back in the day, which hasn't been all that long ago, um, and just all the -the under-the-table stuff that was being done and showing up at colleges and what they were offering the kids and how they were really manipulating and maneuvering uh, the situation, uh, not so much for the kid, but, you know, every, it's all about the buck. Well, yeah, but, I mean, in this situation, it was about, I mean, the kid is, it, it, I, I understand that these, these kids really don't know. I mean, it, I'm sure it hit you like a ton of bricks, Kwame, when you got your first agent. You don't really know how much responsibility is, is needed and, and all these things, and they're easily swayed one way or the other, but it seemed like Ryan Leaf knew exactly what he wanted. To, he wanted to go to the beach and he didn't, it seemed like he was done playing football. Like he wanted to go to the beach. He wanted to go to the laid back lifestyle quote that, that, that he talked about, about San Diego. And that was his first, that was his first choice on, on where to go. It, it was, it was about, it was about the weather. It wasn't about the football uh, organization. So, I mean, it's, he was already kind of skewed with his, with his choices for, his NFL career to begin with. So it was easy for, for, uh, for Lee to just push him one way or the other. I mean, I feel like if it was Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning wanted to play football. He would have gone to Cle- He would have gone anywhere that would have drafted him. It seems like. So I, I'm not sure if it, I, I. You know, I just I just don't know. I mean, I, I don't really think when it comes out that this will be a huge deal. I mean, it's it's a good story now because it's Lee Steinberg and because he's kind of back from the dead. And uh, we'll see what transpires from it. We have to take a break. Kwame Lasseter, Sports Talk, Voice America Radio. We'll be back in about a minute.
your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern time on the voice america sports channel the talk doesn't get any hotter your internet flagship station for sports voice america sports now some of you might still be in that place if you're trying to get out just follow me Welcome back to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy, Deborah Debris in studio. Kwame, uh, his call just dropped. He's going to call back in a few minutes. We've talked Ryan Leaf most recently. Uh, it's kind of, I mean, it, it's in, it's an okay story. I mean, I'm not, I'm not really sure what's going to happen with it. We talked about Roger Goodell and the choice to potentially take away extra points from the football games. I don't really know what's going to happen with that either. These are all just kind of speculative at this point. What I do know is that Richard Sherman made a very crass uh, comment at the end of the NFC Championship game, and uh, I, you know he wasn't wrong in how he in, in what he said, being the best defensive back in the NFL. And Michael Crabtree, I guess, and and him did have a spat in the off season, which is what all this sprouted from. But he got a lot of flack in social media and and and, and around the world, just you know, on Sports Center and things like that, with you know just. Show some respect for the game. Show some respect for your opponents. Um, have a quiet confidence, which I mean, everybody's different. So some people are overtly confident. Some people are, you know, introvertly confident. Some people aren't confident at all. So obviously he's an he's an extrovert. He's confident, and I kind of I didn't rip him per se yesterday, but I, I didn't agree with how he how he went about his business in the Aaron Andrews interview after the game. He comes out today with a with an apology. You know, he apologized for how he said it, um, which is fine. I kind of wish he didn't apologize because if if you really stand behind what you say, don't apologize. Like, I understand that maybe you were a little embarrassed about being just so jacked up after the game that it just kind of was stream of consciousness, consciousness, no inner model. You just spat out what you wanted to say and left, which was fine. People overlooked that. I mean, he was number two in his in his high school. He, he graduated second in his high school. He, gra- he He got good grades at Stanford. Like this guy's not a he's a smart guy and and I and I never question that. I mean, I think everybody in the NFL is are smart people because the the game is so intricate, it's so difficult to learn and to master is is even more difficult. So, uh I think uh Kwame's back with us. Uh really quick, the one thing that I didn't agree with that he said in his in his apology was 
To those, uh, it's quote, to those who would call me a thug or worse because I show passion on a football field, don't judge a person's character by what they do between the lines, end quote. Everybody judges people by what they do between the lines. It's the bad people, the good people. Peyton Manning might not be a good guy. I mean, he probably is. But people that are great athletes that win these awards for Sportsman of the Year and all these things, Tiger Woods, Lance Armstrong, everybody did that. But you judge them as heroes because of what they do between their respective lines. And Dominican Sue is an awful person because he kicked people in the groin and he, he late hits quarterbacks. He, he injured Jay Cutler, all of these things. Jay Cutler didn't want to come back against the Lions because he was scared of a Dominican Sue doing it again. Like for both, I know that these are the polls supremely talented athletes who don't do anything wrong and athletes that are, that are, you know, that, that do bad things to break the rules. They get fined, James Harrison and the like in, in football. Everybody's judged what they do between the lines when you're an athlete, in my opinion. And, and, and for him to think that that's not going to happen I, it is, is, is an oversight on his part. To, to what extent, that's I'm sure where his wheelhouse was in his comment. But with Adamic and Sue getting eyed to get an ex- a long-term extension from the Lions after all the things he's done, obviously some things are overlooked by people that, that matter most to an organization. And I'm going to go to Kwame, and then we're going to go to Deborah, and then we're going to go right into Down and Dirty with Deborah after this. Kwame, what do you think about his apology? Um, I, I'm not a fan of apologizing if I say something. If I say something, I meant to say it, <laughs> uh, and I'm yeah. not. I'm not a. Um, I'm not going to throw subliminals out there. If I'm talking to you, I'm going to say your name. Uh, and it's one of the things he did. People love to. Um, uh, they love the type of guy. You know, there's some guys that you love to hate that you can't wait to see what they're doing now. It's kind of like a, a Dennis Rodman. I love the way this guy plays ball. I don't, I don't like his antics, but he helps his team win. Uh, Richard Sherman was just uh, just an outspoken guy. Come from a come from another place. Uh, there's a uh, half of the people in America would never understand this guy's world, but we can watch him on Sundays and then listen to a post game interview and start judging him. And that's and that's what we do as analysts and. Uh, as people, actually, um, but but one of the things I would say that I didn't didn't agree with was the game was over. Your team won. You are now going to the Super Bowl, and I don't know if this was his intentions or not, or if he was even thinking of this. But this that at that moment it became all about Richard Sherman and Crabtree. You didn't have to go to Crabtree. You played the guy. This is your third time playing them this year. You played them before last year. These guys in your division. You didn't have to go and do anything. It wasn't like a battle. He was you were targeted twice at him. Um, Crabtree was targeted twice, so it wasn't like y'all was going at it every play throughout the whole game, but you didn't have to go over there and touch him. The game was over, you won. You don't throw salt on the wound to your opponent that you have to play again year in and year out. Uh, it wasn't anything Crabtree didn't do to make that play happen. Crabtree was right where he was supposed to be. Richard Sherman made a great play, but then he, he had the antics to make a choke sign or go over there and talk to him and touch him. It wasn't about that. You, you let a guy... It would it would have been better if Crabtree went to Richard Sherman for a thank you or a tap you on the butt. Okay, you got us this time. Good luck in the Super Bowl. It wasn't for Sherman, in my opinion, to go over there and talk to him. But I I, I won't judge him as much as um, on everything, but more so on how he went about his business. And I think the story became more about him than it was the Seattle Seahawks going to the Super Bowl. Well, do you think that um and and he was he went to Twitter uh. And talked about racism and all that stuff because I'm sure I think he got blown up by you know hate words and all things like that. Like obviously that I mean that that had to uh, take a part in his 
seeming anger and, and overconfidence and stuff like that. I mean, this obviously, I don't know what this would be like, but obviously this is what he's had to deal with, and, and I, I think that had to be part of his explosion, especially with what happened with, with the backlash from Twitter after his after his outlandish remarks, just after how he said everything, as you said, he made it about him. Like, what do you think that, what do you think are the ramifications of that with regards to him? I'll tell you this, I, I didn't see, um, and I, I will look for him today, but I didn't see any, um, I don't know what the racism uh, issue was about. I, I didn't see any racism, uh, racist comments um, to him or from him. I don't know. Maybe there were out there. Obviously, there must have been a, that uh, he brought it up in a Twitter um, I think other people on Twitter were calling him out, calling him a thug, talking about the hair and, you know, just anything that they could pick on that became – and I didn't read them either, but from what I understand, some very racist comments were made out on Twitter See, I as well. I, 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 I read that stuff and I – and then, I, you know, it's, people will do that today. And racism, racism don't have to do with one person to another person. Racism is a race of people against right. another. Uh, so they don't really understand racism. It's more – idiots uh, doing those things and saying those things. They don't even know the history of, of the word itself. But I, I'm not looking for a guy. If I don't like you, I don't like you. I'm not looking to sit, talk about your personals or your hair or h- how you look. <clears throat> I don't like you for a, a certain reason. That's going to be the only thing I talk about. It won't be your hair or how you look or something like that because you don't like a guy. If you don't like a team, it, it, in, in the analyst world, things we do, if we don't like a certain team, oh, I played for the Cardinals and, that, and they playing against the the um, Denver Broncos, who, in my opinion, or Seattle Seahawks, in my opinion, is the best two teams in the league right now. And I'm a huge Cardinals fan. I'm not going to say the well, Cardinals going to win this game because I'm a Cardinals fan. I'm going to stay biased about it. If I don't, I'm going to say, well, the Denver Broncos are a better team and they might come out and win this game, although I love the Cardinals and Cardinals have a, a lot to uh, to add to win this game, win a game like that, but you never know. And Sunday, I'm not going to just say I don't like him, so I'm going to find everything about bad about this guy. Yeah, well, I'm a Cardinals fan, so I don't want the Denver Broncos to win. Well, that might be the case, but the Denver Broncos is the better team. Yeah, so, I, I, if people 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 rant about stuff that they don't have anything about. Like I said, you would half the world cannot they cannot go into this guy's world and understand why he did what he did, where he come from, how he where he ended up. This only his what is his third year in the league? Yeah. He's not even done yet. But I think he'll become more mature. Like I like I said, like when you tweeting, you gotta be ready to own those tweets, uh, when you when you send them out because once you send them out you can't get them back. So you gotta be able to own after a post game interview to be willing to calm yourself down and know what you about to say, especially to grade another NFL player and another opponent out out loud like that and that public. If you got something against him, you go to him and say it to him. You don't have to do that to the world. Why? With the world, the world didn't help you win this game. You was going against a guy who you knew was better, and that's why he was able to say stuff like that because he didn't acknowledge you as a friend or acknowledge you as one of the better corners. You you outlaw him in, in in public. That I thought it was crazy on Richard Sherman's part. Yeah, I mean it's. I wonder if it would have been the same situation if it wasn't the San Francisco 49ers who are known as being now kind of self-proclaimed bullies and bad boys of the league. They talk all the mess. They talk all the crap. Their coaches outlandish at least. You know, I mean, everybody talks. I mean, this, that's what San Francisco 49ers do. So, I mean, I wish I would have thought about this yesterday because it would have been a counterpoint to my own. 
I wonder if this was even more so because it felt so good to beat the team that was talking crap all year. Seattle seems like, I understand on the field, they're beast mode, they're beast, you know, a legend of, legend of boom, all that stuff. Pete Carroll being the sweetheart on the sideline, skipping and laughing and all that stuff. They're a very interesting, dynamic, uh, laden team. And I wonder if this was just the icing on the cake to say, you know what? You're not as good as us yet, kind of thing. So uh, we'll see what happens with this uh, Richard Sherman story. Down and Dirty with Deborah, we're going to segue right into here because she's going to talk about uh, another side of this, uh, another side of the story that many people aren't. So Deborah, go ahead. So for Down and Dirty and Deborah, I want to talk about perceptions, and I'm going to go old school. It's not old school Thursday yet. We'll call it a Tuesday, another T word. But there was a. Uh, a quote within a song from Bonnie Raitt years ago, whether your sunglasses are on or off, you only see the world you make. So whether your sunglasses are on or off, you only see the world you make. And I look at this from the opposite side of things. Yes, Sherman said some stupid things. I think he did it from the, the heat of the game coming off of the field and being pumped up and jacked up and had a microphone stuck in his face, and he said what was on his mind in the moment. But from looking at the other side of the looking glass, when people are looking at Sherman or anybody else and saying, there's, you know, he's a thug or picking on the fact that he's got, you know, the, the long hair or the color of his skin or the crassness of his mouth or Kaepernick where they were talking, you know, last year we were talking about tattoos. And, you know, people look at other people, and if they look different, act different, they they look at the other people and say, well, if you're different, then maybe you're not as good as I am. Maybe I'm just going to pick on you because you appear to be better than I am at something else. Um, and therefore, I feel inadequate. So therefore, I'm going to say something bad about you. So I feel stronger within my own position. I mean, there's so much dynamics going on with all this. People are going to categorize or idealize someone. They might categorize them and call them out on anything that they can find to pick on about them that is different than themselves. Or they might idealize them in order to say, boy, you know, I'm like that person because and find one or two little things to try to bump up against that person and say, I must be special, too, because I look at them and they seem special in my eyes. A couple things I would like to ask is that, you know, what other questions should you be asking before you pass judgment? You look at a person and you make a judgment, you know, Sherman, because of some of his comments, and yet, you know, when we go back and look at the fact that he's a highly intelligent man, uh, very, very highly skilled, that was passionate about the game, that ended up making a, a massive play at the end of the game, and yet we're going to pick on one thing, which was the crassness of, his, uh, crassness of his talk at the end of the game. Right or wrong, you know, do we look at the whole person or do we look at one incident? And then when we look and say, you know, what's true or not true about my opinion? You know, is my opinion really the truth or am I just hyped up in the energy of my own, let me jump on the bandwagon too. So what does that do? It puts me in the same category as Sherman. He was hyped up, came out of the game, said what was on his mind. Now all of a sudden we've got everybody on Twitter, radio, in different places saying what's on their mind, getting, becoming part of the bandwagon and getting all jacked up. So I leave it as, you know, so, you know, if we look at what's the basis of opinions and the basis of opinions is our own background, our own experiences is whether good or bad. Um, we look at authority figures. An authority figure could be anything from parents to coaches to the peer groups that we've hung out in. Peer group could be, you know, the 
um, Mensa, you know, the higher ep- uh, echelon of the intelligence, or it could be the gang member on the street. You know, we look at the peer groups that we're in, and we start to base our opinions, right or wrong, on what's, uh, what our experiences have been. And we can often go along with that pack mentality. Well, if everybody else is saying this in order to fit in, I need to jump on that wagon too and hide behind uh, something like Twitter or social media of any kind rather than uh, voicing my own opinion uh, and then standing behind it. So I look at this and say, you know, again, goes back to asking the question, you know, can we expand the truth and look at what the reality is um, against what we believe and then have our own opinion and make it just our opinion? doesn't make our opinion right or wrong. It simply makes it our opinion. I also look at the aspect of uh, all the people who are making opinions out there and coming up with some of the the nastiness that they seem to be – kind of having an opinion against Sherman about how mean and nasty and, you know, his values and all that kind of stuff, and yet they're doing the same thing. You know, they're jumping out on social media and doing the same thing. They're just doing it in a hidden, you know, in the shadows. Uh, And I would look at them and ask them, you know, so what are you doing on a daily basis? How are you showing up in the world? Are you actually living what you're preaching or are you just preaching to other people and the reality is you're acting in the same way yourself? And what are you teaching your kids? You know, are you teaching your kids a different way? If this is not what you believe in, then what are you doing to change the culture within your own children and yourself when you show up on whatever your field might be? And your field might be at work or it might be, you know, playing on the golf course or playing another sport. So, YourClearEdge.com, Deborah Debris, Down and Dirty with Deborah. So seemingly it used to be those that – don't those that can't do teach now it's those that can't do hide behind social media and talk crap i mean is that absolutely with with richard sherman it seems like one of the themes of your of your rant there was personal attacks like it was attack on his person based or, or sparked by his his loud nature of his uh of his interview at the end of the game i mean is that so people, well, people make generalizations based ba- on him because his voice was loud and because he said he was the best in the world? And based on their own perception and their own inadequacies a lot of time that they jump on bandwagons rather than having their own opinion. And because he had an opinion, said what he thought, said it in the passion at the end of the game, which again, it was you know the, uh, two or three minutes after the end of the game whenever they stuck a microphone in his face. And, go ahead. No, that, that's one of the reasons why after the game, it's about... 20 minutes before the media can come in. Mm-hmm. And the only reason that is is so the players can calm down emotionally, whether you won the game or lost the game or something that might have ha- happened to you in the game, so you can get your mind right um, before they put a microphone in your face, before you have 10 different microphones in your face and you explode and say something that you can't take back or you say something that you've been mean. Uh, and that's where you need that calm down period. But the media know exactly who to go to and when they go to them. Uh, right after a game, uh, you see an incident like that with Richard, uh, Richard Sherman and, uh, Crabtree. Then yeah, you won't be, if you have to get that story, and you, the first thing you want to do is run to, uh, Sherman and, and figure out what happened and what's going on. But then when you get that answer, you don't like the answer, you wasn't, or maybe this is exactly what you was trying to do. You was waiting for something like this to blow up for a Richard Sherman because it makes the story that much better. What I don't want to happen as far as this guy's concerned. Now, I don't agree with 
going up to Crabtree and then to, and saying Crabtree is mediocre and all that stuff. I do know we we take everything or we use certain things to get us over to put it give us an edge to be able to perform a certain way that we have to perform to be successful. Uh, but you don't have to make that an out out public thing and then go to the guy's face and say things like that. Uh, Richard Sherman is a guy I don't want to get hurt and then all that backlash because he's having a great career so far. He's having a great uh, three years of his career, and he's getting better each year. But I, I can almost see the story, or see the number, not, not so much the story, more so the tweet. If he gets hurt, there's going to be so much bad things said about him, but you don't understand that the game is a physical game anyway, so everyone's bound to get hurt at some point. Hopefully it's not, he's not hurt where he can't play or then you hear all the negative tweets about him or negative stories, social media stuff about him because of what he did in this game last weekend. Yeah, um, I, I do. We have about six minutes left. Um, good conversation, good down and dirty. I do want to talk about something that kind of got overshadowed due to the Richard Sherman interview at the end of the game. Navarro Bowman getting carted off and a fan throws popcorn on him. And it seems like he was dirtied as going into when he was going into the locker room. Now, my question to you first, Kwame, is... Is this an idiot in a pool of in a pool of super fans, or is this what a lot of fans do when they get drunk? They're like, "Well, you're the enemy. You're not a real person. Can we do what we want to you?" You know, because like think, it, uh, most that, fans, that, uh, fanatics, uh, they go to the game. Well, you, you you've been to a game. I mean, we all went to a game where the fans know how to cheer. They know when to cheer. Um, it's more respecting. Um, I, I think a fan that does something like that should not be a let me go as far as saying should not be in, in the stadium. You root for your team and root against the other team, but that incident that happened to uh, to the Bowman, the linebacker for the San Francisco 49ers, that was a gruesome incident, that ha- accident that happened to him. Uh, and if you saw that, I'm sure they showed it on the replay over and over um, because they did on TV. But if you see that, that's not a time where you throw dirt on a guy because he's down. That's not a time you kick a guy when he's down. Okay, well, he no longer can't help his team. That should be a win for you in itself if you're a fan. Yeah, so right. I, I thought people like that really bother me because they never understand how these guys go about the business, what it takes to get to that certain point or get to that game. Yeah, I mean, and he held on to the ball. I mean, he gets everything ripped out of his knee, and right. he recovered that fumble that wasn't reviewable, which hopefully within the upcoming years, fumbles will be revu- uh, reviewable. He held on to that ball. I'd say confidently seven or eight out of ten people, no matter how big you are, would have let that baby go. They don't care. I mean, and you see you see half the people on the field. This was this was what the chilling part was. Half the people on the field are scrum are, are rummaging for the ball that probably didn't see his knee. The people behind the play on the Seahawks and on the 49ers are calling for the medical staff. So you see the juxtaposition of what the game really is, is fighting for the ball because without the ball you can't win, especially on the goal line when you're trying to score and solidify your win to get in the Super Bowl. And you have all the other guys who are part of the brotherhood that are like, you know, get get the hell out here. We have a guy whose leg fell off. So it's, I mean, it's very interesting to see two sides of a situation where obviously half the people didn't see uh, the injury and everybody else did. So and then the, for the fans to do this, I understand your rivals, and and, and I'm I, I share your point. Most fans are idiots, and I mean we've talked about this. And in my opinion, you can know about sports and still be an idiot. And I, I feel like I fall into that category sometimes too. So I'm not taking myself out of it. But me neither. 
Yeah, which is good. I mean, because I mean, you have to have a little crazy and you have to have a little idiot in you to be a good fan. To see, but to see the grand scheme of things, the human aspect of the game, where gladiators are out there with helmets on and pads, you can't. It, which dehumanizes them, in my opinion. It's it's easy for some people, especially alcohol induced, which I don't think is an excuse, to to devalue human life just for the betterment of your side of the football. Which is, I mean, I don't know if it'll ever change. I hope it does, but chances are with that many drunk people, that loud, and that uh, that magnitude of a game, you will cheer when somebody else gets hurt, just like a gladiator. Like you cheer when your gladiator kills the other one. So well, I'm not a Dallas Cowboys fan, but when Michael Irvin went down, they were cheering as loud as they could possibly cheer. I'm not a was fan that, was of that us. Philly? Where, where was yeah. that? Where that happened? That was in Philly, right? Right. Yeah. That's awful. I'm not a fan of somebody getting hurt and then the crowd cheering. I can never be a part of something like that. Uh, a nice hit or a nice play, yeah, you go all out for that. But when somebody gets hurt, you don't cheer as loud as you can. I thought it was amazing that Richard, that uh, I'm sorry, that Bowman was able to hold on to that ball. Uh, I thought it was a poor decision on the NFL and their rules that not to get Sam Fran that ball in that in that football game after yeah. that incident. Well, we have about two minutes left. Deborah, go ahead. Well, one of the things I find interesting is one of my NFL guys during the off season went over to England. He's a big soccer fan, and he's been in the league. I think about seven years right now, and he said it was really interesting to be in, um, you know, watching the soccer games and realize how highly educated the fans are whenever they're watching soccer, and they really understand the rules. They go through, you know, all the cheering, and they're they're just as you know loud and boisterous. But they understand the game, so they are cheering for their team. They are, you know, cheering against the other team, but they're not going to the same levels that we're talking about here in the NFL, where people are just, uh, like, like you said, Alex, really dehumanizing the players. Yeah, and well, soccer players don't wear helmets, so basketball <laughs> players don't wear helmets. Baseball players, you know, I mean, pretty much don't wear helmets to cover their face. So it's easier to humanize sports. Where and Kwame, you know that this is true. I mean, you know that that's. I mean, that that's part of the reason why we have a minute left. Give me thirty seconds on if you think that the helmets and pads make it easier for fans to not look at football players the same as you know. So, like, like the Navarro, which would yield the Bowman thing to happen. Do you think that that's true, or do you think that I'm whistling Dixie over here? I, I think that the helmet is um uh, is one thing. How you know a lot of football players, um, and and every one of them obviously wear the helmets. How you know them is because the NFL marking certain guys, and then if you got a guy with some type of talent, um, then you will find out that would maybe that may end up being one of your favorite players, even if though that's not your team. But this is how a lot of guys become household names or guys you can talk about a guy on the West Coast and somebody know him on the East Coast because of the playmaking ability that they have, and they make them week in and week out. Right, uh, and that's how you know more football guys, basketball guys, no helmet. You you see their face like the other sports you mentioned, soccer. Uh, baseball, absolutely. Now, football guys, a real breed because it's a gladiator sport. It is that you, you people want to see that pain or someone deliver pain week in and week out and come back and do it again. But you, when you see those guys making those plays, that's how you remember who the superstars or who the good players are. And then once you find out something great about him off the field, then he really becomes a fan of yours. Absolutely. Uh, unfortunately, got to cut you off. We got to go. Uh, Alex Clancy, Deborah Debris in studio. Kwame Lasseter on the line. Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Down, uh, subscribe to our iTunes podcast, Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Search it. Alec Clancy's Corner, at Deborah underscore Debris, at Kwame Lasseter on Twitter. Look out for our new fan page on Facebook. I'll be posting that within the next week or so. Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. We'll be back Thursday.
for tuning in this week. Join us every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.